A very, very warm welcome to all our viewers. A very warm welcome to our Swamiji Purna Chaitanya. The name itself brings so much of peace and so much of wisdom. From Netherlands to India, going around 20 countries, very young age of six years, very quite young, uh, from judo, taekwondo to yoga and meditation. And Acharya, uh, with us, Swami Purna Chaitanya sir is with us, uh, talking about yoga, meditation, the real yoga, the ancient mantras, the power of sound and vibration, meditation and mindfulness, full of wisdom, peace, charm and grace. And also to tell you, full of humor as well. Because just before we started, I told Swamiji that I can see a halo there. And Swamiji said, I can't help it. So that's, you know, you, when, when you are Swami, you don't have to be really very serious. You can also be, you don't have to be luminous. We are going to talk about the book, Looking Inward. Meditating to survive in a changing world. The world is so different today. And here Swamiji is with us to help us really understand how we can live in this world of pandemic, anxiety, stress, fake news, so many things. Uh, on the page of the book, I see Swamiji with a radiant face looking upward. And that in itself is so appealing that you would not help but to pick the book uh, on, on your hand and start reading it. So I'm in conversation with Swamiji. The first thing I want to know before we go to the book, the name, Purna Chaitanya, such a beautiful name. How did it happen? When did it happen? How did it, how did it make you feel? Well, first of all, thank you both for the wonderful and kind introduction, uh, both Rosina Ji as well as Kanak. A uh, lot of praise. I have a lot to live up to, I think, in the next uh, 30, 40 minutes. Um, to get right to it, basically, I never thought that uh, it is in my destiny to become a Swami. But then, yes, I would say that even growing up in the Netherlands uh, as a small boy, uh, somehow this idea of living a life that is also useful to others uh, had a great appeal on me. So I remember even when I was young, this whole idea that you just have very little belongings and you just roam around uh, being useful to people. Uh, yeah, somehow it. It was there in my mind, even as a small child, I remember sometimes I would leave the house in the morning and I'd roam around the neighborhood during the day and come back in the evening. So um, yeah, definitely this, this idea of, of living like a monk was something interesting. And when I started practicing my martial arts, of course, there also is an aspect of, uh, of dedication, of commitment, of uh, yeah, serving something higher, if you take it in the true sense, not just as a fighting skill. So that had a great appeal. Um, but then, you know, growing up in the Netherlands, uh, where do you see such a thing? So, of course, sometimes we used to watch, you know, you watch movies about, about uh, Kung Fu masters or we have things like the Karate Kid, you know. Uh, nowadays, of course, Kung Fu Panda. I grew up watching Star Wars, things like that. So this idea of having a master uh, who could be like very old, but then he has all this knowledge and skills to teach you not just how to do what you need to do, but also how to master your mind. Because in the end, if you see many of the, the stories, this is one of the main themes or this is the crux that, you know, however successful or strong you can be, unless you know how to master your mind, there is no guarantee that you will be successful. 
So that appeal was there. And when I was 16 in Amsterdam, I uh, met uh, my master, uh, Gurudev Sri Shri Shankarji. He had come to the Netherlands for a public program. And uh, I had heard about it and somehow this thought that, oh, there is a spiritual master coming from India. It sounded very exciting, very magical uh, to me. You know, some people may, may be like, oh, you know, who cares? But for me, this was like a chance to really meet someone uh, who is like that. And I went there, I attended the program. And for me, that was a turning point in the sense, it was not just that I thought, oh, let me find out, but meeting him, something clicked. So that way I can say that he definitely lived up to and uh, exceeded my expectations. So I saw someone who was also very humorous, very humble, uh, very natural, you know, nothing artificial or, or uh, aloof, very simple language, but at the same time, being able to share something very profound. So he was able to connect with people very effortlessly. At the same time, it was not superficial. So for me, that was something mm -hmm. yeah. there. I thought, okay, yes, now I have found something I was looking for. And then after finishing my studies, uh, I had done a few of the programs that the organization offers that he started, The Art of Living. Um, I started learning about meditation, about yoga, about uh, pranayamas, breathing techniques, and, and this practical wisdom that you can apply in your day-to-day -day life. But then after finishing my studies, I thought, okay, let me take out one or two years and uh, be a little more useful to the society. So I thought, no, like some people, even some of my friends, they used to go somewhere abroad, do some volunteering. So I thought, okay, let me go to India, to the headquarters of the, uh, of the Art of Living, of the organization, and also dedicate uh, one or two years of my time to, yeah, to serve in a bigger capacity. And it was a chance for me also to keep learning more, to go deeper into this knowledge. But then after two years, I'll be very honest, uh, Rosina, for me, that was a, it was a very easy choice. You know, sometimes people ask, you know, how come... Some of my friends also used to ask, you know, why, uh, why are you, why did you decide to move there? You are very comfortable in the Netherlands. But then for me to see that I'm able to, yeah, to live a life of service uh, fully rather than saying, okay, I may find a little time in the weekend after, you know, finishing my job and all of those things, paying my bills to do a little something here and there. Um, so, yeah, I stayed back and then a few years later, if we fast forward, uh, maybe a combination of my keen interest uh, in the Vedic tradition, the practices, uh, as well as, uh, yeah, I guess my, uh, my approach to life and, and the way I went about it, um, whatever it may have been, uh, who knows, but my master at some point felt that I, uh, I am also worthy of this responsibility or this, uh, this title or blessing, whatever you want to call it. So he gave me the opportunity to be initiated uh, as a Swami. And for me, it was not something that I was expecting or I could say working towards. But then in many ways, I was anyway living a life like that already. I had few belongings. I was happily dedicating my time. So uh, it was quite a natural transition. But uh, till today, I feel very grateful because, yeah, I see it as a, as a great honor to be uh, a part of this uh, ancient tradition. And yeah, to be able to live a life of service like this. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I think it's so inspiring. So inspiring. And there are young people watching this. This is something that you really need to kind of replay and uh, uh, listen to it again. That's such a wonderful. Uh, uh, Swamiji, I, I want to know what is one thing that happens in the art of living uh, center which you really enjoy and like if you had to recommend one 
Um, well, just to for the to state the the reality nowadays, I'm not there most of the time. Um, the last so many years, I have been traveling extensively. Um, even the last three years, I've spent most of my time in Africa. So uh, that is the thing. You no, know, now if if you say I don't need anything or I don't need much. I don't have a direct responsibility of a home or a job or a family. So my master can send me anywhere. So one day he said, why don't you go to Africa for two, three months? And it became one year. And then I came back for a bit. Then again, I went for supposedly two months. That again became a year. So most of the lockdown also I spent there. But then coming mm -hmm. back here, I would say one of, the, one of the things that I was so happy to, to find again is that... Um, here we have a beautiful campus and uh, like it's green, uh, it's, it's very peaceful. And one of the main things I think is that, uh, you know, to live in a place where uh, people are, are aware of these principles, you know, they practice meditation every day. So even yes. if your conversations may be the usual, uh, even if your work may be quite standard, the atmosphere is very different. You know, like we go mm -hmm. to office, you don't do anything special maybe, but then it makes a huge difference if you're sitting there uh, amidst people who are stressed or are worked up or uh, who are anxious or agitated, or if you're sitting with people who are very calm and, and happy and enthusiastic. So I think this is something that, uh, that makes all the difference because for me, it's a joy. Like you may be doing nothing extraordinary compared to what other people may be doing, except that we do it from a space of service. Uh, it's not like everybody's meditating all day. No, we do a lot of work. But then to be able to do it in that kind of spirit uh, makes it so much more enjoyable. No. Yes. The whole atmosphere in itself kind of makes you feel so good and at peace. Yeah. So even if a challenge comes, then there is an attitude of, okay, let's see how we can manage. No? Rather than, yes. oh, God, you know, another headache. Oh, my God. I mean, offices are like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Swamiji, I read about authentic yoga. So is there something called unauthentic yoga? Well, uh, nowadays we have even things called bear yoga and goat yoga. So <laughs> I, if we go by the, uh, see, if we use the word authentic, uh, we go by the tradition or the official scriptures. You know, it's like uh, you can say, okay, what is an authentic doctor? So you would say someone who is, has a proper medical degree, you know, who has passed out from an, uh, an acknowledged institution uh, who has, uh, you know, completed all the things he needed to. Otherwise, anybody can call themselves a doctor, but it doesn't make it an authentic or a proper doctor. You know, the same way if you say uh -huh. we talk about recipes, an authentic idli or an authentic momo uh, has certain ingredients that or it's prepared in a certain way. That's what makes it authentic. You know? So it doesn't mean you don't find other momos or idlis or anything in between, but it's not authentic. And people go, you go to places, you say, I want to have the authentic, for example, Maharashtrian poha. Yes. So you have to go to Maharashtra <laughs> or you have to find like a really proper Maharashtrian somewhere who has all the ingredients and they can make you an authentic poha, you know, the way it is done in Maharashtra. So in the same way, if we look at yoga, there is an ancient tradition and there are some uh, authoritative scriptures like we have the yoga sutras of Maharishi Patanjali. There is the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. There are different scriptures available that are uh, follow that are uh, uh, considered by the tradition and nowadays we see that there are many people also who uh, who experiment and and think of something on their own you know 
So that's not always bad in the sense that times change, so we have to adapt. And this has been part of this ancient tradition. Uh, but then certain things, at least if you ask me, have to be maintained for to be able to still call it yoga. Like now we see that it's been a gradual process from people, yoga being something very abstract where people didn't know much about it at all. They just saw yogis doing their tapasya or their sadhana or their practices, but it was not something they have experienced. And then we see over the last 50, 60, 70 years that uh, it has become more accessible to people. Because from what I've heard, even 50 years ago, uh, pranayama was not something that was just taught to the general public. You know, even it was frowned upon sometimes by some traditional people saying that this is not something you teach to a householder. You know, mm -hmm. But then people became aware of the benefits. People started teaching it. There are many teachers who have really greatly contributed, you know, whether it was people like Swami Vivekananda, uh, you know, in the West also people like Paramahansa Yogananda did a lot of work. And then, of course, we have, uh, you know, our Gurudev Shishirave Shankarji, uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi has done a lot for meditation. So these practices have become more accessible, more well-known. Uh, research started happening. People realized that, yes, it has many benefits. But then we still see that yoga, to many, is mostly associated with the physical aspect, which is the asanas or the stretches. Uh, which is just a small part of yoga, if we really look at it. And then taking that, people say, okay, so exercise is kind of the same as yoga. And then you can call any exercise yoga. And then, okay, let's invent some new exercise. And then we call it yoga. <laughs> so there is nothing yogic about doing some stretches after you're drunk. So then calling it beer yoga is very nice branding. But it is definitely real, not authentic. Real yoga. real yoga is so different. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so let's talk about the book, Swamiji, uh, looking inward. Meditation uh, is so important for surviving today in changing world is what he was talking about, the stress, the anxiety. Uh, this book is going to help people refocus on their energies and the wisdom sutras that you're talking about, the 10 minute thing, because, you know, people are so much busy and into rush. So that 10 minute exercise, wisdom sutras, so if you can talk about that and also I'm going to bundle my question into like three, four questions together. And today the youth, especially if I talk about India is a young country, right? India is a young country and there are so many youth around, but there's a lot of stress and anxiety uh, about the world, about career, about a number of things, about the existence itself. True. So how they can in their busy schedule, how they can just take that quick time and do a meditation or uh, maybe wisdom sutras if you can talk about or is it just not possible to just steal that 10 minutes and do it that's one and uh, reading again i'll talk about reading so first of all youngsters are not too much into reading because they have their careers and there's so much and uh, kanika is already laughing there one is reading plus the reading on yoga and meditation is something that probably they will not uh, get into a lot so how they can really benefit from this book and also there's one more question so third one is uh, the changing world when we talk about uh, my my niece says that i don't want to have children because i don't want them to come into this world which is so self-centered which is so uh, into itself so much of stress so all these things, how would you really guide our young students and young population in India to really move forward? Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to <laughs> go uh, 
and address all of them. If I forget something, please remind me. Sure. Um, see, first of all, if we're saying that it's difficult for them to find time to read or they're not much into reading or they're not into reading about yoga and meditation, uh, like you said, the cover looks very nice, so it may tempt them to pick up the book and, and discover what it's about. It's not that people don't read. Of course, uh, books may not be as common as they used to because we have access to so much of information uh, very easily now on our computer or even on the phone. You know, uh, I mean, that's why, of course, the book is available as an ebook also because many people prefer that nowadays. You know, it's easy to carry, it's easy to read. But then I don't agree that people don't read because we consume a lot of information, probably even more than before. And uh, more than anything, I think our younger generations are. Uh, more and more capable and equipped of also finding that information. You know, it's not as tedious as having to go to a library like in the earlier days and hoping you can find a book if it's available there or not. Now we have access to the internet. If you know what to search, what you're searching for, and if you know how to search, you can find almost anything. You know? Yes. So that way, people when they realize, okay, I need something, they have they, they are much more empowered to find it. And when we talk about you know, finding the time uh, or the importance of meditation, I think also that more and more this younger generation is uh, actually much more aware that even though I'm learning so many things in school, I have to learn so many things, I have to study. But then there are certain things which, which are lacking. You know? That's why sometimes even people say, you know, the current education system is no good because most of what we are learning in school will be either outdated by the time we graduate or I'm not going to use it anyway. Yeah, And that is why earlier we also used to feel like that. <laughs> but then the problem is it's true that even information is changing much more rapidly. Uh, technology is changing so quickly. Society, life is changing. And that is why I've mentioned you know, to survive in a changing world, because especially in the last one or two years, I think almost everybody was reminded of the fact that all those things that we tend to rely on for our sense of security, our sense of stability or self-confidence have started shaking. You know, I know so many people personally who, for example, may have lost their job during the pandemic, even though they were working for that company for a very long time and it was never expected. They thought, OK, I'm set. You know, the same way I know people who had a flourishing business who had to close down due to the pandemic. They had never yes. expected that. I know people who have seen their savings dry up which they thought, okay, I'm set, you know, uh, even in other countries across the world where the economy suddenly went for a toss. Uh, I know people who greatly rely on their social life, you know, so their uh, quick fix or their good time used to be hanging out with their friends. So even if your day is terrible, you go and spend time with your, your near and dear ones or some of your friends, you blow off some steam and you feel good again. You know, it's like, okay, you can face the world. But then during the lockdown, that was not allowed. You cannot go meet people. People are miserable, you know. So even people who never used to worry about their health suddenly got very anxious. Oh, what if I get this virus? What will happen? You know, people may have lost near and dear ones. So this was never uh, not a possibility. Anything can change anytime. This has always been a reality. And sometimes they would. It's just like now everything came together and people realized that, oh, my whole world has started shaking or my sense of peace, of, of contentment or, or security has started shaking. And if we look at our life, we are also changing. Your body is changing. It doesn't look the same as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, your preferences have changed, your likes, your goals in life, your favorite music. But then 
despite all that, we still feel that I am me. No? So there is a part of us which has remained the same throughout, which is untouched. Whatever you may have gone through, however traumatic it is, or however un unfortunate, or however exciting, whatever it may be, there is a part of us that remains the same throughout. And meditation is, I would say, consciously connecting to that, experiencing that, tapping into that, hanging out with that. You know. So the beauty is the more you start to experience that consciously, because unconsciously we do, we know. That's why we say, "I am me." You know, there is, I'm still me. But when that becomes more conscious, then what happens? You know that whatever happens, irrespective of that, I'm still here. No? And the same way, if you look at your, your sense of happiness or peace, uh, it's very interesting. We think that there are certain things that make us happy. No, that's why we spend the whole day running around doing so many things. Because you think, okay, if I have this much money, then I can buy this or go there or have that or do this. So we spend most of our time and energy and effort to achieve so many things, whether it is something material or a position, uh, a recognition, status in society, or just, uh, you know, whatever it may be. But at the same time, you also notice that there is no guarantee that it makes you feel good. Like you go to a restaurant, the food is amazing, and a few weeks later you go back because you want to feel like that again. It's still good, but it doesn't make you feel the same way. In the same way, you can have the most wonderful house, everything is there, but then if you're stressed out, if you're feeling anxious, you can't enjoy. You cannot enjoy the food in front of you. That's what many people experienced. You got to know that one of your friends is in the hospital. How are you going to enjoy? So if you look a little closer, you realize that actually the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your state of mind. If you're peaceful, if you really notice, you are already happy. That's why a small child, if you know, they can be playing in the mud. They're very oh, happy. Yes. They don't need anything. Why? Because that sense of happiness, contentment, joy, peace, that is your nature. So if the moment you become peaceful, when you are stress-free, when you are, uh, you can say, established in your nature, then you don't need anything to be happy. And that is why sometimes also you would have noticed when you feel really good and someone asks you, why are you so happy? It becomes very difficult to pinpoint. You say, oh, I don't know. I just feel really good. Yeah. Or, you know, I woke up like this. From inside, yeah. I feel happy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But God forbid, if you ask someone when they're looking a little grumpy that, okay, what went wrong? Why are you feeling sad? You get the whole story. No, mm -hmm. that person said this, that happened. You know, God is, why God is like this? world is so terrible. So if you look at life, you need a reason to be miserable. You don't need a reason to be happy. And the beauty is that meditation is one such tool, maybe even I would say almost the tool, best, most effective to unburden your system of all these stresses and strains, unnecessary impressions, emotions that have been piled up, whatever it may be, come back to that natural state. So then without needing much, also you can be very happy. So I'm not saying don't have all this, don't have a good life, but at least make sure that you can enjoy it because people are doing so many things. You're spending your time, your energy, even your health, thinking that one day when I have this or reach there, I will be happy. And there is no guarantee. So in my book, I have mentioned this one line that yes. when you're able to, to uh, apply these principles, and it takes a little practice, but everybody can do it. Then what happens? A beautiful shift happens in life where you start living your life, not as a pursuit of happiness, but as an expression of happiness. Mm -hmm.
where you can do all the things, not hoping that it will make you happy, but you can do it happily. You can actually enjoy it, not just the destination, but the journey as well. And I think for, for young people uh, nowadays, and I, I include myself, I'm still not too old. You know, this, <laughs> is, this is something that I think more and more people are realizing because we have so much that is available to us at our fingertips. Let's be very honest, even if you're not rich, so much is available to experience. So if you're a little bit more aware, if you're a little bit more uh, wise, I would say, or intelligent, you start realizing that all of this is all temporary and there is no guarantee. Or you see, okay, I've seen it all, now what? I want something new, something more. So people are realizing this. And if you're saying, okay, we are so busy, how to take out 10 minutes? You know, it's a matter of priority. So when you realize that this is important, you will find the time. You know, just like you find time to eat. <laughs> you don't say, oh, yeah. today I was too busy, so I didn't eat. You know? Or uh, I've been so busy today, I didn't take a bath. I mean, I hope, <laughs> I hope not, maybe some people here and there. But so when you realize that, that this is a, uh, an investment I need to do, then it becomes very easy. Because honestly, there's one exercise in the book also where I've said, if you have difficulty finding the time, one day just keep making a note of where you, what you spend your time on. And you will realize that at least maybe one hour goes in just checking your, your social media and WhatsApp and all of that. So then if you say, okay, can I make that 15 minutes instead of one hour? So there you have your 10 minutes. And it is my personal experience that even if you take out that half an hour, say in the morning to do some meditation, maybe a few breathing techniques, that will give you so much more energy and clarity throughout the day that you are much more efficient also. So you, you get it back with interest. Because I'm sure everybody would have noticed if your energy is a little low, the same job takes you so much more time. Even just thinking about it, that RAR, I still have to do that. You know, like you have to study for an exam or do a project or file your taxes. And you think you're really not looking forward to it. So just sitting and thinking about it, RAR, I still have to do that. It's a lot of work. It's a big headache. That itself drains so much of your energy and you're not doing anything. While if you're very, uh, you can say, charged up and you're very, your mind is very calm and focused, that same thing can be done maybe even in 10, 15 minutes. That, that reminds me of uh, Stephen Covey writes in his book, In Seven Habits, if you have read, he talks about sharpening the saw. So you need to sharpen the axe and you'll be able to chop more and more trees in less time. Yeah, so, well, let's save the trees, but yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. So Swamiji has really given us some beautiful uh, ways in which we can really cope up with all the stress around us and uh, quickly connect with ourselves and do more efficiently the work that we are doing. Lovely, very well, very well explained, very well. It, it has gone straight from here till here in the heart. Did I so, miss any of the questions? Uh, yes, one that my, my relative, my niece says that I don't want to uh, bring children in this world because ah, it's yes. so bad. I mean, it's so mean and so self-centered. You know, I'll be very honest, if you, uh, if you look at how our mind works, you know, it has a tendency to cling to the negative. You know? I mean, let's say we meet at a party, you know, like this whole COVID thing is over. We can meet in person. That is another lit fest. And then it's nice. We get to reconnect. So then, you know, we all come there and say Kanak has really dressed up very beautifully and mm -hmm. everybody is complimenting her. And then, you know, after meeting 10 people who are saying, oh, your hair looks amazing. Your dress is awesome, whatever it may be. Then suddenly she runs into someone else. Well, let's not take one of us, uh, a third person. <laughs> and he says, 
गॉड कनक व्हाट डिड यू डू विथ योर हेयर यू नो इट लुक सो नाइस बिफोर क्या हुआ व्हाट मेड यू डू दैट सो देन व्हेन शी गोज होम व्हाट शी रिमेंबर नो ऑल दोस कॉम्प्लीमेंट्स और दैट वन थिंग यू नो मे बी इवन वॉकिंग शी विल चेक इन द इन द in the window of some car or something like really does it look like that or yes or no so the same way if you look at the news nowadays uh, yes there are many bad things happening but at the same time it's also because that's what is been gathered for us like they will do a lot of research all day i mean i used to work as a journalist back in the days and they will bring you the most terrible things that have happened in the last 24 hours within 5 minutes now this is from the whole country or the whole world at the same time there are so many wonderful things that are happening so many people who are doing inspiring things who are really making a difference in a positive way but then if we again if we don't learn how to unburden this mind this nervous system then it gets stuck you know it it gets covered so i would say that the world is really not a bad place but how are we able to uh, to i would say keep cleaning our glasses no because if yes. your glasses are red whatever you look you will see red and that's the thing if you are stressed even small things become stressful for you the same thing that doesn't bother you otherwise becomes another headache another burden so uh i would say that the world is not a bad place but <sighs> if we feel like that that means we are stressed right that we are not comfortable if you're saying this world i wouldn't wish this to anyone else that means you are not happy that means right now you feel something is not okay and uh I am not saying that everything is all nice and and wonderful and don't do anything about it no we have to work to change many things still but if you feel like that that's something you need to attend to because that means somewhere inside you are stressed and that itself is going to take its toll on your physical health on your mental health on your relationships on your your work efficiency so that's why in the book I have stressed quite a few times that these are tools that everybody should learn no nowadays meditation is not a luxury it is a necessity because the amount of impressions and information and stress we have to deal with every day uh, it's not something you can avoid you cannot say i'll run away and just live in the mountains there also you'll get stressed <laughs> you know <laughs> so and it's not practical you know so for me this was one of the main things that even initially when i was uh, in high school and and then university that really prompted me to explore this more because it struck me that despite of so many years of studying we have never really learned how to manage this mind you know like a teacher may tell you to focus to concentrate you may tell yourself i want to focus but it doesn't work like that it's not so easy just saying that doesn't change if if you are feeling miserable someone has lost uh, i mean someone had a bad experience their boyfriend broke up with them and they feel horrible you can keep telling them are why do you keep thinking about it chhod do yaar no just forget about it move on anyway the guy was a, a lousy <laughs> a lousy guy you know you can do so much better now that person may not feel yeah that i want to feel miserable they also want to get rid of it they want to move on they want to feel happy again but how to do it just saying it doesn't change it the more you say oh i don't want to think about this guy you end up thinking about them more so to learn to manage your mind is such an essential skill if you want to be effective in your work if you want to be successful in life if you want to be able to enjoy what is in front of you and meditation is one of the main tools that can help us to manage this mind of course i have explained in detail in the book with nice stories and, and yes, exercises but this is the crux. and wisdom sutras at the end of it wisdom yes. sutras yes so yes you can give us one or two sutras like say i am in the middle of all the chaos 
and all the work which is like piling up and uh, in the offices that's usually how the scene is and people are like completely into their work and quite stressed so what is just one or two quick things that they can do which which can make them little relaxed so uh, i mean of course the wisdom sutras i have given at the end of each chapter are like a capsule or a, uh, like something that sums up or the essence of some of the main principles discussed in the chapter so uh, the sutra is after reading it that sutra can really remind you it can you know, bring that whole thing back and allows you to implement it but one of them is for example as i mentioned that uh, acknowledge that everything is changing because mm -hmm. the first thing is that most people they're not even ready to acknowledge what is happening right now mm -hmm. they're trying to you know uh, resist or or question what is that oh why is this happening this shouldn't be happening so then you're in a state of denial. Now, the moment where you're not even ready to acknowledge or accept what is happening, there is no way you're going to be able to deal with it effectively. Because you're not even ready to say, okay, yeah, this is what is happening. Mm. So True. acknowledging that everything is changing and at the same time, connecting to or realizing, acknowledging that there is a part of you that does not change. So when you latch onto that, again, like I said, it gives great strength, like your office may be a mess, and you're stressed because what if I don't finish on time, I have to do all this. Then if you, for a moment, you remember that, oh, but you know, anyway, at five o'clock, six o'clock, this day is going to end. I have been through many such days, weeks, months, years before. I'm still here. Everything is fine. You know, even if things go for a toss, eventually they have a way of working out or we'll figure something out. And even if worse, I will survive. Yeah. And, and not just and that. Happily. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll be okay. You know? So yeah. the thing is, when, when we forget the bigger picture and we get too much stuck with the detail, that is when you become very uncomfortable because you feel it is bigger than you. But mm. when you realize that you are so much bigger, you know, I mean, come on, we've had a whole pandemic and we're still here, you know. So yeah. then you realize that all these things, they are such small things. And so there is no point in worrying. And when you realize that anyway, worrying doesn't make you any more effective, nor does it make it more enjoyable. Then at some point you reach a point where you say, okay, anyway, there's no point in worrying. Let me see how can I can attend to that. Sometimes you're able to solve it. Sometimes you may not be able to salvage everything. Okay, that is part of life, then you move on. So can I say that accepting what is happening around you, the changes? And the second thing is going with the flow. Mm, not fully, because like I said, acceptance, it is an active acceptance. So. You oh, accept, yes. but then you need to act. You cannot just say, okay, let everything happen. So again, going with the flow in one way, yes, in the sense that you, uh, you realize that everything is changing and you're not resisting that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, again, it is not a fatalistic thing where you say you have no, no way to change it or you have no, no choice. You know? yes. So it's you being acknowledging what is there. And at the same time, that gives you then the peace of mind to take a proper decision and have a proper course of action. And you have a much bigger chance to actually affect change wherever needed because you are much more collected and, and calm. Yeah. So accept and participate uh, actively into getting the bigger change happen. If I mean, needed. That's one way of going. Yeah. Lovely. I think lovely. So <laughs> I, I'm so much enjoying this whole talk, Swamiji. And uh, I, I'm sure Kanak is also, and all the viewers along with us are really thoroughly getting so much out of this 
hardly like it's been th half an hour that we are talking and and imagine if you hold the book and that's a treasure like a treasure that you are going to get so much out of it um swamiji i want to know was there any sad moment or period when uh, was there any point where you were sad of course no this is part of life and uh, <laughs> that's why also let's be very clear uh, i am not saying that you will not be sad or angry or upset and mm -hmm. uh, and it's fine also sometimes to be sad or upset or because again like it's part of life you know whether you like it or not this is going to happen but then the whole skill is that okay how quickly can you come out of it see however nicely you wash your clothes when you step out of the door they're going to get dirty sooner or later you know but it's not a problem you wash it again but yeah if you don't know how to wash it then it's a problem <laughs> so so how quickly can you clean it again no, that is the whole trick so yes of course i've had plenty of moments where i was sad or upset or uh, like yeah like even if we start from my childhood itself uh it wasn't always easy we had very little money you know so sometimes of course you're a little sad because you cannot do something you would like to do or get what you would like even though all your friends can because we don't have the money for it you know or uh, my mother was very ill when i was very young uh, she had cancer um, she survived but initially we didn't know what will happen you know even she didn't it's tough it's tough then uh, when i was about 11 or 12 my parents divorced so that of course always is never an easy thing you know so uh, like that there are plenty of things but then uh, at the same time uh, if i look back also these are also things that give you a lot of perspective perspective and uh, it gives a lot more depth to life you know because let's be honest uh, just because maybe it wasn't always easy when I was young. Till today, I'm very grateful to have a wonderful meal in front of me, you know, or to be able to say that, okay, you know, I would love to have this for dinner and people happily prepare it. Uh, for me, it's a big wealth in the same way. Uh, if I'm very comfortable uh, where I'm staying, where I'm living, I really appreciate it. There are so many people who may have seen that since birth and they don't even notice it. So I'm not saying that's bad, but it's like you know it's also the, the the difficult times that give us the yeah you can say the perspective or uh, that gives you the um the context that allows you to to also appreciate things much more true 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 so you are a living example of how the life can be like ups and downs very young age you experience so many things and that kind of really brought you out still so happy so peaceful, so much, making so much difference in people's life. So that's really, really amazing. And um, so Swamiji, can we, uh, can we kind of associate music and dance with meditation? Um, I would say we can associate music and dance with spirituality. So we take it a little mm -hmm. bit bigger. No, usually meditation is also counted as a spiritual practice. So yes. sometimes people ask me, how do you define spirituality? So my master once very beautifully said, he said, spirituality is anything that uplifts the spirit. So definitely uh, things like uh, the yogic practices, breathing techniques, the pranayamas, meditation, all of these are very effective. But at the same time, you know, uh, beautiful or inspiring music, dance, anything creative also uplifts your spirit. You know? I mean, if look at, look at people, if you feel a little down, but there is a nice music playing, it really uplifts you. 
So it's not the same in the sense you can substitute that you say, okay, I only like music, so I won't meditate because meditate meditation has many other benefits, you know, uh, that I've explained in detail also in the book. But in that way, we can uh, say they're associated or connected that uh, music and dance can also really uh, help in, in uplifting the spirit sometimes. And that way they're complementary. I've seen many people when they meditate regularly, they become much more happy and peaceful human beings. And when someone feels good, anyway, you notice they have much more tendency to just start singing or dancing, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, true, true, true. But meditation uh, cannot be an, I mean, dance cannot be an alternate to meditation. That's very, very clear. Yeah, because in meditation, uh, I mean, I'll not go into the detail now, but in the book, I've touched upon this as well, yeah. that uh, real meditation is transcending the mind. So for a moment, you're not actively engaging it. Uh, you're not doing anything. So you're allowing the mind to settle and actually go back to the source, to, to whatever you call it, the consciousness. or And that is where such a deep rest happens. And that is also where really that uh, that nervous system gets unburdened and you feel so much more fresh, fresh, you become so much more peaceful. You're able to let go of so many stresses and strains and emotions. So, and that's also where it differs from mindfulness, for example, because nowadays also these words are usually used interchangeably. But then in mindfulness practices, we are still engaging the mind. So you're focusing the mind, you're being totally attentive or mindful, you know, whether it is uh, focusing on your breath or mindfully walking or eating or, or dancing for example. So that is a big improvement from the scattered state we usually live in, where the mind is going all over the place, we are you know, doing so many things, trying to manage, keep up. So then yes, becoming mindful means your mind is much more focused, it is more calm. But then meditation is one more step beyond that, where you're able to actually transcend the mind. And it's a, it's a state of effortlessness. It is no longer a state of effort. Beautiful. It was simply beautiful coming out from your mouth. I mean, the whole conversation itself uh, makes us feel so at peace. And you talk about in Kaliyuk, we need to come, this yuga is of coming together, right? It's all about uh, getting all the, all the goodness and all the spirituality, people coming together, the satsang that you're talking about. So uh, can you explain in this Kaliyuk why it is important to come together and earlier yugs, it was not as much important. The importance was somewhere else. But, but in this Kalyuk, it is more important to come together for chanting, for, for uh, any kind of practices. Ah, I think now I have an idea which, which of my Facebook live videos you're watching. <laughs> so, so it's, of course, this is a little bit out of the scope of the book. But, um, and uh, many people may not even be aware with the whole concept of, of yugas or different phases of time. But I think definitely if we look at today's world, um, you know, earlier what used to happen is people, uh, if I put it in a little bit more relatable context, people would live in their village, you know, or maybe their town. So the world was much smaller. You know, you do your things. And of course, you have your neighbors, your friends, the people you interact with. But the interactions were limited. You know, not everybody had a chance to travel. You will only meet a certain number of people in your life. Um, you're only exposed to a limited number of ideas or, or ideologies or, or change. And in today's world, we see that it's totally changed. You know, we are influenced by people all over the world. You meet people from all over the world. So whether it is cultures, uh, philosophies, uh, religions, or worldviews, or, or um, 
or goals or what they want to achieve. And on one hand, you can say that, yes, everybody would like to be uh, independent. But the truth is also we are interdependent. You, know, you, you rely on so many people for your comfort, you know, whether it's the guy making sure that your electricity works or the person who has baked the bread that you buy in the shop or whatever it may be. And in today's world where we see that, uh, you know, especially for those people who feel that, oh, you know, there are certain things which are not okay, certain things we need to fix, then the only way to do that is by coming together, you know, because if it's just you by yourself, also you feel, even if you feel something has to change, but you feel it's too big, how can we do it? You know, one person cannot make a difference. That's what most people feel. So many people want to contribute, but they don't know how to go about it. But then when you come together, you can move mountains. You know? I mean, we have so many examples. Look at someone like Mahatma Gandhi. You know? He was one person, but he didn't say, okay, I'm only one person. What can I do? He said, no, let me take responsibility. And people joined together and a whole movement grew and they made such a difference. If we look in today's context, uh, like from my personal experience, if we see someone like uh, my master, Gurudev Sri Ravi Shankarji, you know, one person started out with this vision, this knowledge. Now there is a global movement of millions of people so and many bringing such a big difference, you know, whether it is in India or, or in South America or in Africa. So, and that is possible because people came together because some people said, yes, I would also like to contribute something. And then he said, okay, we have this, we have a platform, why don't you join, you know? So that way, it's, uh, it's, it's not that everybody has to do service only in one way or the other, but it helps if there is already a platform if people have come together and you can just join in. And wonderful service happens in the same way there are many more organizations in India itself that have been doing and are doing commendable service, getting people to come together. And then when everybody puts a little bit, uh, it becomes a lot. So I think, yes, in, especially in today's time, day and age, uh, there is a great strength in, in numbers and uh, that should be used for the good <laughs> because of course sometimes it's also the you know uh, if, if you can move the masses we've seen that sometimes with this you know when they were talking about the elections in the United States and of course I don't know the final conclusion but the very idea that you can uh, change the you know the, the mass psychology just using social media and then get people to do something is of course yes. something to look into because it's a reality <laughs> Yeah, true, true. Today, Vedas is in headlines. Vedas for uh, to India. I mean, recent last two days, he spoke uh, about India, the two Indias that he's living, he's coming from. And there's so much controversy. So exactly. uh, the tolerance, the tolerance levels have uh, gone down. Uh, or maybe people are so divided on certain things. So how to really develop that tolerance level, yeah, acceptance of people. Uh, and last message from your side to our young people, all those who are watching. So what I would like to say is that um, apart from whatever you were told to learn, you know, okay, we have to do, you have to do your school, your studies, all of that. But uh, just know that there is so much more that is available out there. And that can in many ways be maybe even more enriching for your life. You know, we have not come to this world only just to eat, sleep, work, and then become happy, sad, and then die. You know? So, and I think most people nowadays, they know that. That's why they say, oh, I can't see myself having the same job for 40 years. Or, uh, you know, some people may even say, I don't want to get married right away. First, I want to see something of the world or find out more what I would like to do or what my 
talents are. So there is so much to explore. And at the same time, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like I said, of course, we have to see how to present things in a way that is, uh, that is relevant to our modern day and age. But like I have been exploring this ancient wisdom for the last 20 years, 25 years. And there is so much that people have figured out centuries ago, which is still so very relevant. So uh, for all those who are curious, I would say pick up my book, uh, check it out. It's, it's written in a very easy manner. But at the same time, it introduces us to some very useful insights of how to manage your mind, how the mind works, how your emotions work. And it can give a lot of clarity, even if you're just struggling to figure out what I want to do with my life, where I want to go, what is really important to me, or how to deal with all this, what is going on, how can I feel comfortable, peaceful again, uh, and be more successful. So the book is easily available, so anybody can pick it up. Uh, of course, now I was not able to, uh, we were not able to have this conversation in person, uh, hopefully next year or whenever there is another festival. Uh, we can actually all be there, even all those who are viewing. You know, it's, of course, always nice if afterwards you can even meet, you know, interact with people. But um, anyway, we have social media, so people are most welcome. We would have to... loved to have you here. Swamiji, we would have really yes. loved to have you here in Nagpur. The same, same goes for me. But then we have social media, so people are most welcome yes. to drop me a message on Instagram or Twitter, wherever they are active. You know, you can find me there as well. And, and Facebook has like over one lakh followers and uh, so much of media followers, uh, Guru Swamiji, for you. So and so many comments. I was so uh, filled with a lot of, um, you know, enriched, completely enriched looking at all the videos that you have. And of course, I'm sure the book is going to really change your life. Even I would say the worldly success, if you are looking for worldly success or spiritual success, of course. Uh, this is going to help you because there are it's a very practical way of uh, living your life and uh, getting connected to your own self. It's going to work like a guidebook. And I'm sure this little video that this little interaction that we have had is also going to help you with a lot of things, how you can deal with your life and how you can cope. Everybody is like bitten with uh, stress, anxiety at some point of time. And this little thing that you will watch or the book that you'll read will definitely help you deal with the problems in life, coping them, coping with them, and really move ahead with happiness and peace. So it was wonderful talking to you, Swamiji. Uh, I'm really so, so happy and glad that uh, you made time for us. And uh, thank you so much for being here. It was and my pleasure. Thank you so much, Rosina Ji. Thank you, Kanak. And uh, I wish everyone uh, all the best, you know, um, there are many more wonderful speakers as part of this, uh, as part of this festival. So all those who are watching also, uh, definitely, I would encourage you to explore more because you never know what you stumble upon. And uh, I would like to thank all the organizers as well for organizing this, uh, this event, because it's definitely, it's, uh, it's a wonderful initiative to, there are so many wonderful uh, authors out there, people who have put a lot of time and effort into creating something that can be useful or that can be very enjoyable for others. And uh, I mean, I, even I, when I get a time, I still love reading books. You know, there's something about it. Uh, so uh, Netflix and all that is nice, but once in a while, a book also can, can uh, tickle your uh, imagination in a different way. So all my love and blessings for everyone. Yeah. And I so look much. forward yeah. to meeting you in person as well one day.
Yes, we would love to really have a one to one interaction. Uh, looking inward is the book looking inward meditation to to this changing world. It is the answer to this uh, really anxiety and depression or any kind of negative feelings that you have. So go buy it. It's available online as well. And uh, thanks, big thanks. And Swamiji, let me tell you, even Orange City Lit Fest is also a way of making a difference in people's life. So, so big thank you to OCLF. Vision Beyond.